Hello, you're listening to Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that casts its eye across the full spectrum of the real estate world. And today we're taking a look at a sector that an American might describe as being right in the middle of Savills' fairway. When we're talking about Prime, despite the fact that we have seen a good return in buyer demand and activity, I think the market's going to remain pretty price sensitive, certainly over the period of the next six to 12 months. And we'll be trying to work out what the longer term impact of this coronavirus pandemic might be. As and when London comes back and things start to open up, I think that there will be the vibrancy that that we know and love and whether or not people will want to stay away for how long I think is is interesting. And that's why I think that the concept of rental has been really interesting for them. I'm Guy Ruddle, and with me I have a group of people with prime market expertise to spare. Lucian Cook is head of Savile's Residential Research. Good to be here again, Guy. And so that's the research side of things. Now three people who are actually on the ground doing deals, helping people buy, sell and lease prime residential properties. Claire Reynolds is co-head of Prime Central London Residential Sales. Hello, Claire. How are you? Hi, Guy. It's a pleasure to join you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Andrew Perrett is head of Country Residential. He's, been, he's no stranger to Real Estate Insights. Nice to hear you again, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Guy. And Izzy birch Reynardson is head of Super Prime Residential Lettings in London. Izzy, welcome to you. Thank you very much, Guy. So, uh, prime properties we're talking about. Um, Lucian, what do we mean by a prime residential property? Yeah, when, I suppose when we're talking about prime, typically what we're talking about is the top 5 to 10% of the housing market. If you're in the country, in certain parts of the country, it might be at 750000 In others, it might be a million. When you get into London, average price possibly in the order of, uh, order of 2 million and, and, and somewhat more than that when you get into that uh, sort of rarefied prime central London market. Claire, have you got an active market? Are you working in an active market at the moment? We really do, actually, which is really reassuring because we weren't entirely sure what would what we would be facing um, when when the offices reopened, which they did on Monday. Um, there's, if you think of what the market was doing prior to COVID-19, um, it was incredibly strong. It was the strongest we'd seen in, in a long, long time. So um, what was interesting for us to see was whether that demand was still there or not. And, and in fairness, it actually seems like it is, which is which is great. And Andrew, is the same true outside of the smoke, so to speak? Yeah, it's been a fascinating few weeks for us. It's, it's, it's very early days since the, the lockdown has been eased and has allowed estate agents to operate in some capacity but for our country agents we've we've made a pretty strong start um, in terms of the number of new buyers registering to buy in the country and uh, those prepared to either view a property virtually or view a property in in person yeah it's interesting that because you know Izzy I sort of imagine that that one of the reasons why it might grind to a halt is how do you actually view properties now well it's actually I mean for us, it's been an increase of, of tech into our market and things such as virtual viewings have been completely invaluable to us um, throughout this time. I mean, there's a lot of people, especially in my market, which is sort of the 4,000 per week plus bracket. Um, it definitely is a case of getting sort of boots back on the ground and people want to sort of go in and, and experience that on a viewing. And I think we all are all in agreement that virtual viewings, I think, are here to stay in all price bands and I think are going to be invaluable to us as we continue out throughout the year. 
So for me, that's been a, a really interesting change in the market and I think a key trend that is here to stay. Yes, that, that is the case. Um, we have agreed a number of sales off the back of a virtual viewing. Many of them were subject to an in-person inspection when the restrictions uh, allowed that. But actually, there have also been some where the viewing took virtually during lockdown and exchange of contracts took place without them viewing it in, in person. Claire, did you, you have the same experience, do you? Yeah, we've seen that in London too. If you, know, if you think a huge chunk of, of London buyers are international, so whereby we've had an international buyer who's perhaps already known the location or even better the building, when we've notified them that we've taken on a new property in that building, they've said, like, just, just show me a virtual viewing and I know the rest because I'm familiar with it. So if I like what I see on the virtual viewing, then I'll just go for it. And we have had that in a few instances. It occurs to me that everyone's been pretty positive about the the state of the market. Lucian, are you that positive about prices and where and what pricing is going to be like for the foreseeable future? Yeah, well, I mean, I would imagine just given everything that we've seen about the economy, despite the fact that we have seen a good return in buyer demand and activity, I think the market's going to remain pretty price sensitive, certainly over the period of the next um, six to 12 months, because as a survey tells us, the commitment to buy really starts to come back um, over a 12 to 24 month period. Um, and of course, what you'll find in, in this market um, is that it possibly comes and goes a little bit in waves. Um, and so you will therefore need to, to have that pragmatism on pricing to make sure that that you secure a sale um, at a point in time that, that the market demand is there and strong. Is what people want changing at all? Yeah, um, undoubtedly. I mean, one of the things that we have seen um, is increased appetite for country living. You know, that's one thing that has strongly come out, not just of a survey which we conducted of our clients at the end of April, but also it's coming out of um, our uh, web views and also the people who are registering to buy. Um, so, so just as an example, we surveyed a little over 650 people um, who were in the market looking to buy prior to COVID. Um, and 40% of those, broadly 40% of those said that they felt that a village location or a countryside location was now more attractive to them. And about 17 or 18% said that they would widen their search area as a result. So I think there are definitely some changing trends in there. That's not good news for you, Claire, is it? Um, well, it's good news for us in terms of there'll be um, an increase in, in volume of property for us to sell. Some people, as Lucy and referred to, will, will be thinking, great, we want to move out of London into the country. Um, but equally, they may decide that that's not the right move for them once they get there. Also, I do think once London starts to open up, people will fall back in love with the London living. And I think, I think in Claire's market, um, particularly that central London market, we shouldn't forget that given everything that we've seen since 2014, even prior to COVID, that was looking pretty good value in a historical context. So prices in that market have peaked in the middle of 2014, um, whilst we saw a little bit of a resurgence in the first quarter of the year prior to COVID, they still ended that period uh, 19%, 19 to 20% below where they were in 2014. And of course, for the overseas buyers who will gradually return to the market as travel restrictions ease, if they were buying in an overseas currency, it was looking better value still. Um, so, so certainly I think it's you know far too early to, to, to 
be writing off the central London market. In fact, I suspect, given the buyer profile that you've got, it will be the market that will lead the recovery. Andrew, the London crowd are defending their corner vociferously here. Come on, stick up for the country. Well, I must, I must. You've got to remember that some parts of the country remain seven, somewhere between 15 and 20% below their peak prices of 2007. So before any of this, it already looked good value for money. Since then, Lucian's right, people are questioning the number of times they need to be in a city in a working week. I think we've all proved to ourselves just how operational we can remain whilst working remotely. So with that in mind, I suspect the country market closest to the cities are the ones that are going to perform the best. I think also our demand statistics, the number of new buyers registering with us in the country are about normal for us at this time of year, despite what's going on. So that suggests there's real appetite to move to the country. It will be interesting to see as and when London comes back and things start to open up. I think that there will be the vibrancy that that we know and love and whether or not people will want to stay away for how long I think is is interesting. And that's why I think that the concept of rental has been really interesting for them. Do you think the way that you guys all market properties is going to change at all. I mean, at a very simple level, you know, is six bedrooms going to become five bedrooms and home office? It's a really good question. Um, there'll be a, probably a lot in the press about you know, the advantages of having a home office, perhaps in the garden, um, or that's slightly away from the house um, or in the annex. Um, and I do think there, there will be an immediate trend towards having that facility in your home. Whether that lasts or not, again, time will tell. We have seen for quite quite some time, especially in the superprime market, often people will inquire about three or four bedroom houses or flats. And, and more often than not, one of those rooms is for a home office or, a, you know, home gyms. And I suspect building on that, the other thing that people are going to become much more discerning about is access to Wi-Fi and understanding how good the Wi-Fi connection is and can be to any particular home. Couldn't agree with that more. And that's something I've seen in, I mean, every single search. I'd say that I've seen in the last two weeks, whether it's something within London or someone coming to us that, that's then we're filtering out to our country colleagues. Um, it, Wi-Fi has been sort of in the top three criteria. Are buyers and sellers playing fair at the moment or is there a sort of disconnect between expectations? Are buyers thinking they can get stuff cheap and sellers saying no way? Some are definitely giving it a go for sure Um, and I guess you can't blame them but um, I think any buyers who are coming in up to let's say 5% uh, some are actually having having luck in being able to renegotiate the the pricing Um, that's based on, on purchases that were agreed um, prior to lockdown. Um, anyone who's trying their luck at above 10%, um, they're, they're typically being knocked back. When we did our survey back in April, we, we asked everybody who we surveyed what had happened to their price expectations. And around half of them said that actually there was no change on their price expectations. And that, of course, meant that 50% did believe that prices had softened. The extent to which they thought they softened varied um, quite significantly, not that high proportion above that that 10% figure, but quite well distributed between 0 and 10%. And I think what you will find now is with the um, surge in demand coming from the release of pent-up activity, there will then be a period where those price expectations need to be aligned 
to get the market moving in transactional terms. Andrew, is that your experience uh, around the, the uh, around the country? Yeah, I think in the country, um, the question over what happens to prices will depend on the stock level. So right now, there are a shortage of country houses uh, around the market. And for the last, over the course of the spring, when we're normally at our busiest period, photographing houses, bringing stock to the market, we haven't been permitted to do so. So the big question is, do these vendors put their properties on, on the market? There's certainly apparent demand for the stock. The question is over supply. If, there, if the supply remains tight, prices will be one to watch. If there is a flood of stock to the market, vendors are going to have to continue to be pragmatic about prices. We're finding that rents are holding very well, especially for things that are best in class, where we've seen multiple bids or even things going above guide price. And I think that that is a really key message for people. If you are renting in this market, um, wherever you might be, and I think in, in whichever price plan you might be in, it's looking its best price correctly and, and doing everything you can in order to find the right tenant for you. There's also been sort of talk about mortgage offers being withdrawn in, in the housing market generally. Is that, an, is that a factor in this sort of prime area or, or are people who are, who are in this market not quite so concerned about whether they can get a mortgage or not? I would say it typically doesn't apply to, to this end of the market. Um, what we typically find in central London is that um, most buyers are cash so um, it's a huge percentage of cash buys, um, especially with mortgage rates being so low at the moment. Many people are taking mortgages just because their their money and their their, um, their capital can be used to their better advantage elsewhere, um, rather than just having a sitting sitting kind of dormant in a property. So um, so whilst they don't need to take out a mortgage, some are just to take advantage of, of the very low interest rate at the moment. The availability of mortgage finance is still important to the market that I operate in. And I think any mortgages offers that are being renegotiated depend on individual circumstances. It's more a question of is is their job secure and what is the loan to value ratio of, of that particular that particular agreement. So I think there there are some mortgage offers which are being reviewed, which is a prudent thing to do in the current times, but it's not a bloodbath. You know, there are not um, lots of mortgage offers in the country being withdrawn and then renegotiated. It depends on an individual circumstances. And of course, what that's going to mean is that anybody who is in the market to buy at the moment will need to make sure that if they are going to um, have recourse to mortgage debt, they need to have a pretty firm offer in place uh, at a point that they come back to the market with a real intention to buy. Um, so, so paying attention to that and the ability to lock into some incredibly low interest rates um, is going to be a pretty key consideration, I would say, uh, particularly for, for some of the people who are buying in the country or the do- more domestic parts of, um, of, of the prime London market, perhaps slightly further away from central London. Let's now, we're not going to do a Savile standout stat as usual uh, this time. Everything's so up in the air, it's almost impossible to come up with numbers on, on things anyway. Instead, uh, we're going to do something slightly different. A quick short answer from everybody on this. What would you buy right now if you had a million pounds to spend? Let's start with Lucian. What would you spend a million pounds on property-wise, Lucian? Yeah, well, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to follow what the surveys told me, actually. So it's going to be a property in the country. It's going to be a reasonable commute to a major employment centre, probably London. So it's looking like it's in the home counties. 
It's definitely going to have good Wi-Fi. It's going to have a separate place for um, a home office and a reasonable size garden. And if it's going to have a reasonable size garden and I've got a million quid to spend, it's probably also going to have the ability to plant some cider apple trees. Claire, uh, would cider feature strongly in the way you spent your fictitious million pounds? Uh, I don't think it would. I think I'll leave that uh, that pastime to Lucian. Um, if I had a million pounds to buy somewhere in central London, I know there's there's a bit of a trend towards um, your proximity to, to work at the moment in terms of being able to cycle or walk with everyone um, steering clear of public transport where possible. Um, but I do think connectivity will remain fundamental in the future. And as a result, I would like to buy a one or a two bedroom flat around Tottenham Court Road where you've got Crossrail 1 coming into it and also the planned Crossrail 2 to also connect through, um, through Tottenham Court Road. It's very obvious why Claire is, is, is in, the, in the business of selling properties. <laughs> uh, Andrew, what about you? How's it, how's it, what's you? What are you doing with a million quid? So if I was buying something today with a million pounds, my my heart tells me I should be encouraging you all to buy in the West Highlands of Scotland. But my head tells me that uh, the country's looking pretty good value for money and for someone that needs still to get in and out of London on a regular basis. I think I'd place my bet. Sure, I'd probably buy something needing work done to it that I could add some value to, but something reasonably close to the coast it still allows me to get back into London whenever I needed to. And Izzy, what about you? I mean, it's sort of a, a, not the wrong question for you, being in the in the rental market. But but it, we're going to give you a million pounds. What are you going to do with it? The family house market for us, it, it's seasonal every year, but it, it is always there. Whether those be private or corporate tenants, that demand is always there for a long term investment. And you know, for want of a better word, that the letability. I think that, you know, a good, solid southwest London family house is also great. It's easy access to get out of London if you, you know, if you wish to. Thank you very, very much, all of you. It's a really fascinating conversation. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If all we've done is whet your appetite for information and knowledge about the property world, you'll find all sorts of research on this and other subjects on the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. You could also become a subscriber to Real Estate Insights and go back over, I think we've done about 60 episodes now and obviously more coming up, which will get sent to you automatically if you're a subscriber. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.